we will be taking part in communion uh, today. And so, a couple. If you would like a copy of God's Word, um, go ahead and raise your hand, and one of our ushers will bring you one. Today, we're going to be in Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. And what we're doing this morning is we're going back to our series that we've been looking at the past few months called The Worshiping Church. What we've been doing is taking the, the first Sunday of, of the past four or five months to intentionally look at uh, a specific aspect of the Sunday service. And so what we did first is we looked at adoration and then confession, then prayer and today Thanksgiving. And the reason why we're doing this is because we want our Sunday service to be as intentional with declaring the truths of the gospel as possible. And so what we're doing is we're kind of restructuring things, adding things, um, and this is all for the plain fact that we want the Sunday service to to speak the gospel, to show the gospel as clearly as possible. The other reason why is because the Sunday service is, is another day that we develop discipleship habits. It's another day that we develop discipleship habits. And because of that, we want to develop the right discipleship habits. All Christians should be living a life of adoration towards God. We should look outside and marvel at his creation. I mean, he allowed the sun to rise today. That's incredible. It is a good and gracious gift. And when we realize who God is, we come before him confessing who he is and who we are. And so then we confess. And confession is a natural rhythm in the life of a believer. We confess to God for disobeying him. We confess to one another when we sin against each other. And when we come to this realization of who God is and who we are, and we realize that this good and gracious God has invited us in to be his people, he looks at us and he says, you are mine. He gives us a way to talk to him. I mean, we are able to talk to the creator of the universe. And so we looked at prayer, and we see that prayer is an important part of the Sunday service, but then that is carried out through the rest of the week. And now we are looking at Thanksgiving. See, the, the Sunday service, whether, whether people acknowledge this or not, develops and shapes how we live our lives throughout the week. And so some churches, believe it or not, are teaching their people how to fill cannons with t-shirts and shoot them off and how to properly have smoke come out. That's a little bit of a joke. You can laugh a little bit. Um, and others are being more intentional, which is causing rigidness, and it's becoming more ritualism. And so what our prayer is here is that we would be able to be flexible with our our um, order of service, yet being intentional with showing the gospel and helping us then live a life of obedience, of discipleship throughout the week. So we're not to come to the Sunday service just to consume. We're to come to mutually encourage one another to be sent back out as a light into a dark world. And so we're doing this with a purpose. 
We're doing this not to build consumers, but to build disciples who then go out and make disciples. And thanksgiving is an incredibly important part of that. But yet one of the most least likely talked about parts. See, I, believe it or not, am a consumer. I'll acknowledge it. There's my confession for the day. I am a consumer. Whether I like it or not, I am always consuming something. I love it and I hate it. Because I love consuming stuff, but I also know that that could be so incredibly damaging for my soul. And it's damaging for your soul too. You see, one of the things that happens when we buy into this idea that we are to be consumers, what happens is gratitude and thanksgiving tend to then go down, right? It's, it's easy to look at the, the movie of, of the rich snob and say, well, the reason why they're never grateful or thankful for anything is because they're always just given what, what, what they want. But that is such a clear picture of how all of our hearts tend to be pulled from one way or another. You see, our human nature, our our indwelling sin, the, the sin that we wrestle with, wants us to think as little about the gospel, as little about Jesus as possible, and to consume as much outside things as possible. This is actually what Paul is saying in the beginning of Romans. Because when this happens, our gratitude, our our thanksgiving goes down. Paul writes in Romans 1, I'll start in verse 18 and finish in 21, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Nobody is without excuse. This is what Paul is saying right here. And listen to this, because he then goes on in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We're so busy with consuming products and things that what happens is we suppress the truth, and our thanksgiving goes to something that's undeserving of our thanks. So what I would like to do right now is just quickly pray for us. Father, would you please allow our hearts to be transformed, our eyes to see the truths of the reality that far too often we consume more than we should. Father, would you encourage the weary, the weary Christian Would you lead to repentance the the child who is living in sin? And would you reveal yourself and soften the hearts of those who do not know you or refuse to know you?
We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. And so because we are naturally consumers, because of our sinful nature, we suppress the gospel, even as Christians, even after this life, even, even after becoming a Christian. But what our passage is telling us this morning is that those who have received Jesus are rooted and being built up in Jesus that have an established faith will naturally lead to thankfulness that overflows out of their heart. Our passage says in verses 6-7 through seven this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Those that have received Jesus are rooted and built up in Jesus, have an established faith in Jesus. The natural thing is that thanksgiving will overflow out of their heart. When we come to verse 6, we see this word, this one word, therefore. And what I was taught growing up is when you see a therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. Now, if you're like me and you flunked kindergarten and almost flunked fourth grade, then it probably took you a little while to figure out what this means. So I just want to briefly explain what this means. Yeah, you have a pastor that flunked kindergarten. It's okay. I'm doing better now. I'm reading a lot more than I did then. So what this means is, is, is it's posed in a question. What is the therefore one word, comma, there, space, for, question mark? Got it? Okay, let's move on. The therefore is therefore because of what Paul is saying right above all of this. Paul, what he does is one of the most incredible things in his writings is he's always starting out his writings reminding his readers of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the first importance. And so what we see Paul doing is reminding them, this is what you have received. What you have received is, is this, that for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things are whole together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What Paul is doing right now is, is reminding the Colossians, this, this church, of the gospel. They're re, he's reminding them of, of what they have received. Christ Jesus the firstborn of firstborns, the head of the church, the one whom all things were created through him and for him. Paul is saying, this is what you have received. You've received the king. But why is it important that they received the king? Because believe it or not, this church once were not Christians. 
They were once living dead in their sins, which means that somebody came and brought them the gospel, brought them the good news. Somebody had brought them that that they were living in sin as enemies of God. But that God from the beginning of time had set in a plan to redeem and reconcile his people back to himself. And that if they believed in what Jesus had done for them, that they could receive Jesus. That they could become children of the Most High God. That their sin would be forgiven and taken away. And what they would receive is Jesus' righteousness. That they would have a high priest and a king of kings whom all things were created for. This is the, the same gospel that is preached today. And like when the seed lands on the good soil, the people in Colossia received Jesus Christ. They received Him. They did not reject Him, but instead received Him. And then what Paul goes on to say next is, so walk in Him. If you have received this good news, Paul is saying, then you are to to walk in Him. It would be crazy if you were to receive this good news and yet not walk in Him. But yet far too often, this is what we see. See, Paul is, is setting up this letter in such a way where he is reminding this church of Christ, reminding this church who they received and then saying, if you have received him, then you are to walk in him. See, Paul, Paul, Paul in verse 10 in chapter 1 already has said, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In Philippians, Paul says, walk in a man, manner worthy of the gospel. Some people like to to pose Paul and and James against each other because James is the works guy, Paul is the faith guy. But what, what Paul is showing right here pretty clearly is that when you are a believer in Jesus, you walk your faith out. You work. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, the... The, the reformer, the, the dead reformer used to say, um, God does not need our good works, but our neighbors do. And here Paul is reminding them, since you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, you are to walk in him. Have you received Jesus? Are you walking in Jesus? See, this is one of the, the tough things in uh, where we are, right? The, the Southerners say that they live in the, the Bible Belt. I believe that we live in the Catholic Belt. Most of us kind of come from a Catholic background of some sort, where, where it's easy to say I've received Jesus, and so all I really need to do is just show up to church, take communion, or do this or that, and then I'm good. 
I don't really have to, to walk in him. I just kind of need to be close enough to him that if things start to go wrong, then I can lean on him. But what Paul is telling this church is, no, you are to walk in him. Not beside him, but in him. You know, uh, I'll use this uh, a silly illustration since the season is now over. I've got, to, I've got a bunch of ice on my uh, driveway that I need to clear out. Now, let's just say, today, I go and clear it out, and I slip, and I fall really, 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 I can't stress this enough, really hard, and I hit my head, and I get thrown into a coma. And when I wake up, I have this strange desire to become a Packers fan, <laughs> right? Th those that are here know that I'm a Bears fan. And so that's why I emphasize the really, because it won't ever happen in this lifetime. But let's just say that I hit my head really, really hard, wake up from a coma, and I have this strange desire to become a Packers fan. And so what I do is I, I sit and I watch the games on Sundays or, or Mondays or Thursdays. Um, but that's really it. And then I have conversations with people because I tell them, you know, I'm a diehard Packers fan. And they say, oh, yeah, what did you think of the latest trade? And I'm like, well, what's a trade? And they're like, well, I thought, I thought you were a diehard Packers fan. How couldn't you know that this person was traded to the Packers or this person was traded away? What about Aaron Rodgers and his stats? And I go, well, who, who in the world is Aaron Rodgers? I thought you were a diehard Packers fan. I, and then they start saying, well, well, yeah, what about those golden days with, with Brett Favre? Well, that could actually trigger some of you. But Brett Favre and, and Bart Starr and, and uh, Reggie White. And, I, and then I say, ah, yeah, those guys are the worst. Didn't they play for the Lions? <laughs> and you say back to me, well, no, they, they, they played for the Packers. They're, they're like some of the greatest legends that the Packers have. And I then go, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's right. Those, those guys, I thought you were talking about someone else. Now, could you say that, that I'm actually a fan, that I'm actually walking as a fan? Or am I just posing being a fan? Am I being a, a poser? But far too often in our culture, it is so easy to say, Jesus is my guy. And then never walk in him. It's so easy to say, well, yeah, I, I, I go to church and I, I sometimes go to people's houses and, and sometimes I'll pray. But then yet, the life is one of never looking like walking in Jesus. Let me make this clear. You cannot claim to be a Christian and not walk in Jesus. In fact, I would say, if you do not walk in Jesus and yet you claim to be a Christian, you need to really reconsider on what you believe in Jesus. This is crucial because this is what Paul is reminding the, the church in Colossia. You have received him. What I've heard from Epaphras is that you have walked in him. 
And so then how does this play out? Well, Paul tells us in verse 7, being rooted in him, built up in him, and established in the faith. When you walk in Jesus, you will be rooted in Jesus. You will be rooted in Jesus like, like the person who is rooted next to the river. You will be rooted in Jesus like the good soil who receives the word of God. And the root takes deep and deep and deep root. And what does it produce? Well, Paul tells us in, in chapter 1, verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. When we are rooted in Jesus, we bear fruit in our good works. We love our neighbors. We do good to our enemies. We love the outcasts. We give generously to our neighbors. We fulfill the great commandment and great commission to love God and love our neighbors and to make disciples. Being rooted in Jesus will always produce fruit in good works. And so what Paul is doing is reminding them of this message. You found your root in Jesus. And your, your root is should be producing good works. You should be increasing in love. You should be giving generously. And then he goes on to say, being built up. You are to be built up. And if we continue reading on in, in chapter 1, verse 10... We see this comparison to an increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. Our root is then built up. But our root is only built up when we know God. See, far too often it's, it's so easy to, to say, I, I know God without really knowing God. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing of God. And what God has done is made a way for us to know Him and enjoy Him. This is why He has preserved His Word over 2,000 years. For us to, to know Him intimately and personally. I mean, this is one of the most incredible things is that when God calls us into a relationship with Him, He doesn't call us into an impersonal relationship, but a personal relationship. We are to increase in the knowledge of who God is. This is what the author in Hebrews is writing against, saying you are still drinking milk. Why aren't you eating meat yet? 
And for too many of us, we are so satisfied with drinking milk instead of feasting on a steak. We are too satisfied with just knowing the bare minimum of who God is instead of realizing that we have the word of God and that God has called us to know him. And so Paul is reminding the Colossians here. When you are built up, you are built up because of the increase of knowledge in God. But this then leads to something, and that's endurance in faith. Looking at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Because we're rooted in Jesus, because we're being built up in Jesus, we have faith that is able to endure. We have faith that when trials of various kinds come, we are able to count it a joy because our faith has endurance. But see, this is the thing. Our faith doesn't have endurance if we're not being built up and if we're not rooted in Jesus. If I was preparing for a, a marathon... And I just said out on a whim, you know, I'm just going to go and run the Chicago Marathon this year. And you say, okay, so what are you doing to train? And I just say, I'm just going to show up. Sharice is going to start uh, uh, my memorial. Because I'm going to die. I won't make it. And so it is here. We are to train, as Paul says. We are to run. What are you rooted in? What are you rooted in? Are you rooted in your job? Is that what you're hoping will bring satisfaction and enjoyment? Are you rooted in your family? Are, are you rooted in the Green Bay Packers? Or are you rooted in Jesus? And how are you building yourself up? Our youth pastor, well, my, my youth pastor used to, to say this saying, which, which um, I don't remember any of his messages other than this saying. He used to say this saying after every single Sunday school. This spiritual meal is not enough. Feed thyself. And then he had stairs that said, feed thyself on there. It looked like a second grader had painted it. Um, but that always, it always sticks into me. It was black and, and bright orange. How are you building yourself up? Look, devotionals are okay, but if that's the only meal that you're eating, that's not good. Because we have the word of God right here. 
to know God for ourselves. If, if what you're doing is running to the internet right away to get all of the answers, instead of wrestling with passages so that way you can really wrestle with the word of God, you're cheating yourself. Well, that's like the uh, uh, equivalent of, of, of a bodybuilder taking steroids. Maybe not that extreme, but what are you building yourself up in? Is it the word of God or is it something else? Are you looking to social media to be built up? Are you looking for validation from parents or family members to be built up? Because when we are built up properly, we have faith that endures. But none of this is just because. See, what Paul is, is doing here is he's gone passive participle, passive participle, and now he's going to an active one. Because of these things he's saying, because of being rooted in Jesus, built up in Jesus, and having faith that endures in Jesus, what happens? We are to abound in thanksgiving. And this is incredible because why? Why do we abound in thanksgiving? We abound in thanksgiving because of what Paul is laying out for the church here. Because of what Jesus has done for this church. Brothers and sisters, we are to have hearts full of thanksgiving because of what Jesus has done. Nothing more, nothing less. If we were once enemies of this great God, and his wrath and righteous judgment were set on us. And he sent his son to pay the penalty that we could never pay. Live the life that, that we could never live. Face the judgment that we were to face. Why wouldn't our hearts have thanksgiving that overflows? I just don't know. But yet far too often our hearts deceive us and go to and fro. And this is why we need to have our eyes set on the gospel at all times. Because it's the gospel that saves people and it's the gospel that continues to transform you. It's because of what Jesus has done to you. And yet far too often we're too satisfied in things of this world. But the gospel is at the root of our new life. Why wouldn't I want to be thankful for that? Why does my heart then stray from that? Far too often my heart strays from that because I'm not reminding myself of this great news. Far too often my heart strays from this because then I'm not in community with brothers and sisters who are reminding me of this good news. We are always putting our thanksgiving in something. It's either Jesus or something else. And so what are you putting your thanksgiving in right now? Where is your thanks going? Jesus or something else? Let's pray. Father, 
forgive us for our lack of thanksgiving towards what your son Jesus has done for us. Please be gracious to us and soften our hearts. Allow our hearts to overflow with thanksgiving. Please stir in us a desire to be thankful in you and for you. Please stir our hearts to mutually encourage one another to be thankful in you and for you. Father, we ask that our root would be deep in you and that we would be built up by you and in you and that you would give us endurance and faith because of you. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.